When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Sometimes it's the normal, sometimes it's the abnormal, and sometimes it's the paranormal, but it's always beyond reality. Welcome to the program. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm your host, J.V. Johnson. Thank you for joining me tonight. Or maybe you're listening as the in the podcast version, so you're maybe it's not tonight, maybe it's during the day. Regardless, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. If you are listening as a podcast listener, share it with your friends, rate it, do all those things uh, to help let other people know about the program. It's uh, very helpful to us. Also, I'm going to start out by telling you that we really want you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube and search for JV Johnson. couple advantages to doing this. First of all, it's free. Secondly, it gives you access to about 400 back episodes of Beyond Reality Radio. A lot of great stuff there. A lot of great interviews, discussions. Um, it also is where we stream live. If you don't have a radio station in your marketplace carrying the show, it's a great way to participate. And the chat room's there. A lot of great stuff. Go to YouTube, search for JV Johnson, subscribe, hit the notification icon, all of that. So I have to, I'm a little bit out of it tonight. Now, doing a late-night radio show. Um, it's difficult uh, for a lot of reasons. One is that your schedule gets kind of out of whack. There there are radio show hosts, and I'm sure you're aware of, that do a much uh, even later schedule than what this show does. But I find myself, once the show is over, I'm so wound up that it takes a great deal of time before I can actually fall asleep. And sometimes it gets bad enough that I that I, I take um, like an uh, um, ibuprofen PM or something. And I did that last night. And uh, it did a couple things. First of all, it did eventually help me fall asleep, but it, but I way overslept. So I, I got up way later than I should have today. And uh, I didn't get nearly as much work done as I had intended. And I'm hoping that uh, I can get Slick Eddie or Orion to find someone who can come on the program and talk about sleep and how to get good sleep and what we can use that are non-pharmaceutical options for helping to induce sleep. I know they talk about, you know, going to bed at the same time every night, making sure your room is dark, eliminating noises. Sometimes that's not completely possible, especially when you live in an old house like I do. But either way, there are things that you can do, and there are things you can do in your diet, I'm sure of. And I um, I, I guess I want to hear about some of that. You know, I know they're going to tell me to stop drinking caffeine. Uh, sorry, it's not going to happen. I know they're going to tell me to stop eating uh, after the show, which that's not going to happen either. I'm sorry. So we have to fi- <laughs> we have to figure some of this out. And the chat room's got a lot of great suggestions as well. So thank you for that. Um, I uh, will be taking your phone calls later in the program, but tonight we're going to be talking about um, ast- astral projection and astral traveling. Our guest, Greg Doyle, is an author, a healer, and an astral traveler, and he'll talk about his book that's called Awakening the Giant Within, A Personal Experience into the Astral Realms. He's also a Reiki instructor. Um, He's got a lot of uh, interesting experiences to share with us, and particularly we're going to talk about astral travel and how you can release your astral bodies from your physical bodies and actually explore the universe. That's tonight's program. Looking ahead, tomorrow night will be a best of show. And then Monday, I've been talking about this one for a while. Monday night, we've got Dee Wallace, actress. You know her from E.T., Cujo, Critters, uh, The Howling, um, 250 different film and TV credits to her name. She's a Hollywood legend, uh, a great lady. And I found out very recently, I've known her for a while, but I found out very recently that she is a healer as well and an author. And she's going to talk to us about conscious creation and how we can live a better life. Maybe sleep will be part of that discussion, too. That'd be cool. Tuesday night, we've got a couple of guests. In the early part of the show, Mike Apicello will be with us. He's a musician and a founding member of the band Human Host. He'll explore the connection between the material world and the metaphysical with his music and his writing. 
And then for the rest of the program, Susan Plunkett will be here. Susan is a writer and a psychologist, and she's the author of a new book called Mission from Mars, or excuse me, Mission from Venus. And she'll discuss uh, extraterrestrials, wanderers, twin flames, and the fifth dimension, not the band. And then Wednesday night, Star Cassis will be here. Mama Star Cassis, which I find interesting because, you know, many of us know who Mama Cass is. Anyway, Mama Star Cassis is a conjure woman and the author of Divination Conjure Style. It's her new book, and she explores reading cards, throwing bones, and other forms of household fortune-telling. That'll also be a great discussion. So great uh, programs coming up here on Beyond Reality Radio. And again, I urge you to go to YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, search for J.V. Johnson once you get there. You'll find it pretty easily. Just subscribe, add your name to our ranks. Join the chat room if you can. It's active during the live program as we stream live. So a lot of great stuff coming up. We'll go to break. When we come back, we'll bring our guest for the night in. Greg Doyle will join us. We're talking about astral travel on Beyond Reality Radio. Hey, gang, JV here. Please consider supporting the program by going to patreon.com slash johaw. There are two levels to support Beyond Reality Radio, the $2 level and the $5 level, but every little bit helps. Thanks for considering it, and thanks for being a supporter. Tonight, we're talking with author, healer, astral traveler, Greg Doyle. Greg uh, is has is authored a book called Awakening the Giant Within, A Personal Experience into the Astral Realms. His website is gregdoyleastral.com. Greg, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. You're all the way on the other side of the planet <laughs> coming to us live. That's awesome. Sure, Ram. Great to be here, too. Yep, in Brisbane on the east coast of Australia. Yeah, great to be here. And I think Orion was telling me that it's something like um, a 15-hour time difference or something like that, right? So you're you're it well is, into your yeah. afternoon. It is bizarre, isn't it? And it's a hot afternoon, too, so it's quite strange. Yeah, quite you're strange entering summer there. And it's just amazing that we can mm-hmm. have these conversations all the way on the other side of the globe. You couldn't get any further away. Yeah. But we welcome you, and, and looking, we're looking forward to this conversation. Let's, um, let's kind of set the ground rules here a little bit, or maybe the definitions is a better way to put it. When we start talking about astral travel, what are we talking about? It's a good question. Uh, look, astral travel really... What I found is that we all have these um, bodies, these um, these light bodies, if you like, people call them. But we, we tend to go out of phase with our physical bodies just before dawn. If I were to put a an actual definition on it, what I found is that I just started waking up in this body. So when I would spy on other people, I noticed that they do have these bodies that the ancients talk about that, that come out out of phase with the physical and you can see them when you're in this state you can see other it happening with other people so basically an astral body is this other phase of being that is able to um connect to these other realms of consciousness or these higher realms of consciousness really and as a result it, it, it actually when you're in this body you have full awareness like so you have your 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 human or mortal awareness um if you like and you also um, have a greater sense of reality. So your sense of dimension, uh, color, uh, all of your senses are heightened. So it is why we call it a higher vibrational state of reality. So you feel more real than in this state. When we use the word realms, that's another word we need to understand to be able to have this conversation. Uh, are we talking about dimensions? Are we talking about spiritual connections? What do we mean when we say realms? It's a good point. I mean, I'm not even sure what I mean myself. What what I, it's it's kind of the feeling of okay. So so you you can go out of body, and um, in what I call real time astral, which is like you're a ghost in this reality. So you're essentially seeing this reality as would a ghost. Um, or you can also go out in other realities um, where you all of a sudden kind of. There's always a sense of the reason it's called astral travel too is there's, there's a sense of motion when it happens. Like your body, you have this feeling of movement, um, and you generally come to a place, or often that you, you go through a void, or there's somehow an energetic clearing, and you find yourself in another reality that is not this particular one that we call the 3D um, shared reality that we're, we're all having. So we call loosely these are called realms. Um, they're really dimensional. It's really all the same thing, I feel. It's interdimensional. Um, yeah, it's in the end, it's kind of semantics. I mean, 
no one actually has said to me in the astral, oh, this is this particular realm. But we kind of call it that. We kind of call it that. Oh, well, actually, yeah. I have been called. Yeah, there has been turned realms. Actually. Well, it's it's interesting, too, because there are a lot of terms like that, and we find ourselves talking about them on this program quite often where we use the terms, but we use them in a way because we're not really sure what we're talking about. So we have to call it something, right? So we call it realms or we call it dimensions or we call it whatever. Um, but yet we're still trying to figure out exactly what it is we're talking about. It's a bit that way, you know, but sometimes I think like like we have so many different species of trees here um, in Queensland, and I never I never remember the names of it. And I think, well, they probably don't call themselves the name we give them anyway, so it doesn't really matter that I don't remember their names. And a lot of people ask me, they say, Greg, which are you going the fifth or the seventh or the ninth dimension? I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. No idea. No idea. How did uh, but, um, how did you become yeah. aware of all of this? That first of all, just that this existed, but secondly, that you were able to yeah. um, to uh, take part in astral travel. Man, it it was such 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 a ride. I um I started going out of body around now around twenty years ago, um around around the turn of the century, and I the the, the first time it happened, a light came into my forehead. Once again, it was just before dawn. And it woke me up. So my mind woke up in my sleeping body. So I knew, hang on, something's going on here. So I'll, I'll describe it, actually. The, so a light, it was like a ball of light, seemed to come through my forehead, and I became lucid enough to think, hang on, is that the sun rising? And I knew it wasn't because I knew that the window in my bedroom didn't get the sunrise. So I was that lucid. And, it, and then it was kind of um, – this light was kind of pulsating, and it was kind of um, – like, you know, like there was wind in my ears. I never forget that. Like I, I could sense my ears and there was wind. Then this light, it also made my heart feel very good and, and that's hard to, um, look, I'll just put it in simple terms. I just remember it, this energy pouring into my heart and it felt great. So I felt very elevated. Then this light kind of said non-verbally, do you want to come with me? I went down it. So my, I, I allowed myself to be pulled into this light. I had no body. Uh, the first time I went, I was conscious of, of moving down a kind of, it was like, um, you know, a week later I saw the, the Jodie Foster movie uh, Contact. And and I literally was moved to tears because that, that scene when she goes down a wormhole, if you know the movie, that was exactly the experience I had. And I went down this wormhole, sort of bending very fast, lots of um, air in my sort of invisible ears because I had no body. And I, I was conscious that I'm still lying in bed sleeping. So you're always conscious where your physical body is, but um, you, the greater part of your awareness is, is going with this experience. Then I come out, I'm about 100 feet up in in an atmosphere of what would be termed an alien city, and I'm not into sci-fi, I never was. And there were very modern, tall buildings, kind of uh, um, shaped at the top, kind of dome-shaped at the top, um, lots of windows, lights on. It was like a desert kind of planet. And I was very conscious of where it was. It was very real. And I remember thinking, okay, th- this idea coming to my mind that there are others, that was the, the message. And I, I came back from that experience in kind of this, with this kind of ecstatic tears. And I thought, and it felt so real. It felt realer than this reality. So that was the first, um, journey out of body then the very next night as soon as i closed my eyes not even asleep this light came again i'd open it the light would go i closed my eyes the light would come again and i was freaked out at that second night I, I didn't want to sleep you know this was and people said oh that's a third eye awakening i never heard of the expression third eye awakening or third eye so it was totally new for me when you talk about the light are you talking about an actual physical light that if your eyes had opened it would have you would have seen it or do you use light in the, in the more metaphorical or spiritual sense when you use that word well it was a feeling of don't open your physical eyes okay that was the feeling of don't do this that will spoil this it was like a ball of blinding white light like a ball of light that just was kind of um, you know, sizzling um, in, in coming in through my through my forehead. Uh, I had the feeling um, that my physical body, it was just an innate feeling that the physical body needed to stay out of this. So I, since I have experimented and, and during a lot of astral experiences, I have opened my eyes and stuff, and it's interesting what happens. Things tend to speed up in, in terms of time because you, you tend to go into a beyond time 
kind of uh, dimension, dimensional reality. So it, it, I guess you could say metaphorical. It felt very real. It was just the feeling of I could see in my mind's eye this ball of light. Well, it woke me up. And, and even um, not long after that, I had an experience where I'd be woken up by vibrations. So generally lights or vibrations would wake me. And this is the feeling of like a vibration, like, like that kind of thing. And um, one time soon after, a, a vibration woke me up, and I was, it was like I was looking through my brain. Literally, I knew I was looking through my brain. These laser lights were coming down once again, like these lasers, and it sounded like dentist drill. And I thought, well, what's going on here? It was just so, so full on and so loud, utterly real. Um, so, you know, I mean, your physical eyes are closed during it. Um, but it's a feeling of an inner sense, if you like. Was there any heat or any any other physical properties to this light that you noticed? No, it was more just a bright light and more wind. There's more right, a, a breeze going on. Yeah, yeah, a breeze um, was was very strong. As this was happening to you, you say you were conscious of it, but you were still asleep, right? Yep. Um, it, it, we have about thirty seconds here before we have to go to our first break. Uh, can you? Offer a kind of a difference between that experience and what we might consider to be lucid dreaming? This experience is far more real than a lucid dream. A lucid dream is you know you're dreaming, and, and when you become conscious in a dream, you look around, and, and it's not that lucid, even though we call it a lucid dream. Whereas when the astral experience comes, you, you feel a sensation of movement, and you move to realms or realities that are have more dimensional reality, if you like, than the 3D one. That's the difference. Greg, uh, we were talking about how you first encountered this and recognized it was possible and experienced it for the first time. And one of the things that you mentioned that I'm curious about, you said that as this was happening to you and you were seeing things that you had never seen before, that you never knew existed, but you said you were continuously aware of your physical body. Was there is there a connection, like some type of... Um, spiritual connection that remains with the physical body as this experience is occurring? Look, look, I believe so. I mean, you can kind of see energy um, like vortexes. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> you can see, like, I remember what I, one of the early experiences, I actually had these two people, they, they kind of rocked up a few times, actually, and there was this um, woman and this this guy, and they told me they were my guides, which I wasn't into that kind of talk and um they were showing me auras and stuff uh, a lot of stuff that i wasn't before really aware of and and you're able to see these things that i recognize to be later on to be the what they call chakras these these systems within the field like these balls of light and cones and stuff of of, of swirling energy and you could see this kind of how it's it somehow connected to the um physical body um in in our um endocrine system you could see that there were sort of links, and I, I understand that. I understood later to, to be the chakra system. So, but at the time, I, I had no, when it first started, I had no idea that it was a spiritual thing happening. Like I was, I was getting out of body. I didn't know I was even astral traveling in the beginning. I just thought this is bizarre, and I thought I'll see what I can do. Like I would even boo people in the street, or I would see how I could, um, um, you know, what what kind of things I could get up to. Like I, I would sometimes get out of body and and stand in the way of somebody walking through me. So someone would be on the street. They wouldn't see me, of course, because I'm out of body. And when they walked through me, I could sense their entire kind of story or their emotional story. And, I, and after a while, I started to to realize that there was something going on. I remember I did come down and um, I think someone just came out of a, a church or something, and I gave them a real fright in the astral just to see if I could get a reaction from there from, because they couldn't see me. Um, and you'd often get a start. You see the person. And I didn't know, as I said, I had no idea what was going on. I remember some guy standing behind me, kind of a good-looking guy with blonde hair, said, Greg, don't do that again. <laughs> it was really it was really quite bizarre. And I sort of thought, now, what's going on here? And it was kind of the feeling that there were these guardians there kind of keeping an eye on things. Uh, I didn't feel they were uh, like police per se. I didn't, didn't sense that feeling of... Um, Restriction. It was just a feeling of okay, you've had your fun, <laughs> which I was. I was having fun. So you, you, this first time it happened to you though, and you talk about this light that visited you. Uh, you weren't looking for it. You weren't trying to make that happen. It just happened. So as you look at that in retrospect, 
What do you think that light was, and why did it choose you? Mm. Well, look, I have meditated, but not for spiritual purposes. So I used to be a, a professional musician, so I, I used to meditate to stay calm when I perform. So just body and mind, I never imagined anything. So I think I'd probably, things have probably gone that way. I, it's a good question. I remember thinking at the time in my life, is that it? I remember just thinking, okay, um, is there more? <laughs> and um, also also I had been to a, um, a craniosacral person. I was living in Austria at the time. I had a sore shoulder. I couldn't quite budge the pain. I remember thinking there's something more to this pain. I just can't budge it. And, I, and a woman, I remember she was into the kind of energy healing stuff that I, I didn't know of at that stage. And I remember she, she was able to move it. And she said, well, you had energy block there. And I, and I went back a few times because I was a bit fascinated. I, I was kind of curious, um, a little cynical about what she was saying, um, that I had energy blocks, but I wanted to explore that further. So I think that that did trigger it. Going to this woman, she did some kind of stuff um, to remove kind of what she called energy blocks. And I think that kind of precipitated, if you like, these experiences. I think it was maybe destined to happen because it did seem to railroad my life um, and kind of forcibly because I had many, many, many experiences going out of body and it kind of forced me to to look at reality and um, it literally, literally sort of strong-armed me into another direction. Once you did had that first experience, um, obviously you've been able to do it uh, many times since. Is it on at will, uh, first of all? Secondly, um, what was the transition from having that experience to actually learning how to uh, do this at will? Mm -hmm. Well, I was having these experiences a fair bit, um, like, you know, um, every few days, every few nights I'd, I'd be going out of body consciously. Then I, I, someone, I remember someone gave me a book in Austria, I remember it, was, it said soul travel or something, and I sort of, after a few months, it kind of hit me that this is what they were calling astral travel, had a look at a book that said you could bring this on because I was feeling a little bit, there was a lot of alien stuff going on, which was interesting. I had an open mind to the whole thing, um, but I, I heard you could actually bring it on, so I wanted to get some control of it. So there were certain exercises you could do to bring it on. So I, then, I, then I started to adventure into that. And, and to, to answer your first question, I mean, I can't always bring it on. You know, I find more and more I just let it happen anyway. But what I find is if you set up um, like, you know, a trip, there's a trip you want to go on, um, it can often take a couple of weeks. I just sort of let it happen. But it's just with focus and intention eventually um, it will happen. Then you described an experience whereby you were standing, uh, I think you said, on a sidewalk and you let a person walk through your body. And as that person walked through you, uh, you could actually sense more of them. Um, was Is that happening uh, in real time? In other words, if it was three in the morning that you were astrally traveling, uh, were you standing on a sidewalk near your house at three in the morning allowing this to happen? Or is it in some completely different form? That's a good good question. Sometimes it's the same time. Sometimes it's not the same time. Well, what you find is they're different cities. Uh, you have a feeling for when you're on the planet because if you leave your house at this time, then you kind of can keep kind of grips with that particular reality. But other times you'll pop up in what appears to be a real place on this planet, but it's at a different time. Um, so then I started to explore the time aspect going back and going forward, which is possible. Uh, whether you're going forward into possible realities, I don't know. Um, and you see interesting things. Uh, so a lot of it is, look, really I got hooked on the feeling of it. I got hooked on the feeling of it. Plus I was being shown things that I felt obviously had um, some, some reason. Like I was being shown past lives and I wasn't into that and I was being shown myself as an ET a few lifetimes ago, if you think of linear terms of time. And that was kind of like, you know, blasting my mind open. So I, I was more interested in the fact that in this state, my mind was very singular, okay? I didn't entertain the fears that you normally entertain in a, in a mortal state. You could really feel those fears kind of um, clapping around you as you come back into the body, you know, the fear of mortality and the fear of, of losing loved ones. All these, it was really interesting that the fears that are clapped onto you when you come back down. So you're in this very rare, rarefied 
um, dimensional state, and it, it is a very ecstatic state. Um, and your insights, because you have a very singular mind, are very interesting. So you have you can actually bring in different memories if you like, or you have. It's it's it is a fascinating state. So for me, it was more um, that aspect of things, the the phenomenal aspect of it, like literally the sense of touch that you could have an ice cream, you could all of a sudden bring an ice cream into your hand that was a perfect chocolate ice cream. You had no idea of the of the recipe, you know, whereas in 3D you've got to somehow procure the ice cream, you know. And the people you'd meet, the beings, um, the, 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 the stuff they'd be saying or they'd be chanting or they'd be showing you weird stuff, weird places, you know, temples and um, or you'd have initiations. I, remember I once had an American a Native American initiation, like, what? I, didn't even, I don't even read about that kind of stuff. So um, it was more that aspect that fascinated me. Um, but the questions, yeah, the questions you're saying are, are right. You know, who knows really where and what? Uh, we have a question from our chat room that, that uh, I think is a pretty interesting point. Is there a difference, and if so, what is the difference between astral projection or traveling and remote viewing? That's a good point. I think I think remote viewing is is a really intuitive thing where you kind of um, you're kind of sending your mind, if you like, to a certain space, and and, and uh, you're tapping into that singular aspect of mind. Astral travel is very full bodied, like you can imagine vibrations coming, and then all of a sudden a mist clearing, and you're in a different room, you know, or you're in a different body. Um, it's really it's 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 full bodied, full sensory. Whereas remote viewing is is really a more uh, an aspect of your mind, just the mind traveling there. But I think they're linked. Fingers on the same hand, and, and lucid dreaming as well. Once you started doing this with more, uh, with greater frequency, were you able to direct where you went and what you saw? Mm-hmm. Probably around fifty-fifty. I, I'd have an intention. I'd get out of body and often be distracted because I'd see something greater than, you know, as you can right. imagine. So I, I would use the intention a little bit like to get to the car. Like, I, you, you know, you go to a car to go somewhere. You're not just going to go to the car unless you've got a great sound system. You're not just going to sit in your car. So I would generally use an intention. I'd say so uh, 50-50, I'll get to that intention, and the other 50%, I, I'll be distracted. <laughs> Uh, we have to go to break here in just a minute. Your book is called Awakening the Giant Within, A Personal Experience into the Astral Realms. Does the book offer guidance on how people can learn how to do this on their own and, and, and in some way control it? It does. It does. It. Um, I've got a few areas. Well, while it's, it reads like, you know, almost like a novel, just how it happened to me. So it's an interesting read, but I, I, I do put in things, uh, exercises that I found helpful to get me out the, the main kind of yeah kind of techniques so people have been known to read the book and have out-of-body experiences i think just because they're you know you're immersing yourself in that subject and i think it you know there's i've learned since about uh, brain entrainment where you actually when a certain subject is is kind of thought about or read about or discussed you know you, you actually get a resonance happening in that other person's field so, um, yeah, the book certainly helps people experience that for themselves. You, uh, you have a lot more than just information about astral traveling on your website. You, you uh, talk about a lot of different uh, aspects of this out-of-body or this um, spiritual and energetic and vibrational uh, part of ourselves. Yeah, for sure. Look, it did lead me to getting into Reiki, which is like an energy healing, hands-on kind of thing also distant healing. So it, it kind of um, did change uh, my life, actually, because what, yeah, what I found was that this interaction between the, the, um, the astral, like from what I've seen, these other realms, um, like often in the astral, my, my, my own voice will speak to me. He'll often show me things and, um, or, or tell me things, and he seems to have the capacity to show me past lives or show me my own death in the future in this body, like pretty f- full-on wacko in the face stuff that I wouldn't ask to be shown and it and it generally like I'll go out of body in these times and I'll actually hear my own voice speak to me like through the top of my head like through a resonator like booming um not in a not in a, a nasty way but he seems to know more about my situation than I do so what I've found is that um there are these 
like the stuff is happening essentially in the astral before it hits the body. So the astral body exists before the physical body. So if you get in the astral with an intention, um, particularly toward states of healing or whatever, you get into a very clear, lucid mind, and then you can often uh, cause like a, a spontaneous kind of healing. And, and it's um, I had I had one experience where I was camping. I like to go surfing, and I was camping on the Victorian coast, which is a kind of a really cold rocky coast uh, in the south of Australia and um, I, I knew I was going to injure myself and I did injure myself on the first wave. You kind of get that preemption feeling. Anyway, I'm lying in my tent that night with my legs strapped up being told I have to have an operation in six weeks and I um, I started to use a mantra to get, to get in the astral. So I was using this uh, mantra that I, I just felt right. I just knew that this wasn't real. I knew that this illusion of my injured knee um, wasn't real, and I knew that you know I kept on giving thanks for the healing, my healed state because I was I was kind of exploring that notion that we have this perfect template around us anyway. And like when you go into the astral, it's just this sense of perfection, this sense of you know the, the non-fallen state, whatever we call that. Anyway, um, I would say this mantra all night and uh, hoping to have an astral experience because you can use the mantra to to enter the astral realms as you fall asleep. You kind of carry through what intention you can. And you can fall into an astral state. Nothing happened the whole night. Next morning I woke up. I was still saying the mantra whenever I woke. I was on my stomach. It had taken me a while to, to caterpillar onto my stomach. Then my own voice, I could feel the vibrations starting while I was awake. And my eyes were open and I was awake and the vibrations were really loud. And my body was lifted off my air mattress, turned around, and I felt these little fingers uh, working at lightning speed on my knee. And then I was lowered onto my air mattress and I was just screaming because this was not normal. This was, I never have an astral experience when I'm awake and to experience physical levitation like that, that alters something in your brain. You can't quite, you can't, you can't come back normal after that. Well, you know, anyway, um, the upshot was, you know, in about a week I was off, I was off my crutches and I never had to, the operation. I knew something had happened, you know, it was quite, Remarkable. That was the beginning of weird, really weird stuff happening in this reality. So, yeah, that, that's the connection where really the magic of the astral experience lies. We have just about a minute here before our next break. Uh, some of what you describe sounds very similar to like a psychedelic type experience. And psychedelic experience can have uh, what they call a bad trip. Um, any such thing as a bad trip when you're astrally traveling? Look, we can get into that. I, I think... Not, not in the end. They're trips that uh, kind of teach you, you get through the boundaries. There were some scary ones early on, and we'll talk about that, certain entities that I would visit and would challenge me when I got out of body, and that, that is a great discussion point we can really get into. Yeah, we want to make yeah. sure we have enough time to do that. Okay, so we're going to go to break here, um, and a reminder, we'll take your phone calls in the second hour of the show at 844-687-7669. Uh, Greg, before we jump to break here, where can people get a hold of the book? Absolutely, they can get it on my website. They can look. They can find it anywhere. So just look for "Awakening the Giant Within" and put my name in, and you'll find it. It's also on my site. But for, for in the US, probably better to get it on Amazon or wherever, anywhere online. Tonight we're talking with Greg Doyle about another fascinating topic. His book is called "Awakening the Giant Within," and we're talking about traveling in the astral realms, astral projection, ast- astral traveling. And uh, we're excited to have Greg here. He's, he's coming to us from halfway around the world, from Australia. And, Greg, I want to kind of rewind a little bit this discussion because I know one of the things that you do as well that may have helped you be sensitive and maybe embrace this faster and more readily than others might is your involvement with Reiki. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, look, I got, in, I got into that also through um – through an astral experience, I tell you, it was quite bizarre. I, I, I um, woke up one morning, and there was the, fa- the face of a black wolf uh, in front of my in front of my face. <laughs> it was like a translucent wolf. It, it start, hung around for two days, it wouldn't go away, growling. Um, that led to me. That was after an energy healing, which was interesting, and that led to me having a very good argument with a friend of mine that. I didn't realize before, perhaps, you know, sometimes when, when you get into a heated discussion with a friend, you sometimes back out or you go over the top. Anyway, it was a very good kind of different kind of argument. 
The black wolf then licked my face and disappeared. Then I saw the very same black wolf on someone's T-shirt, I, and I, as someone who I met, and, I, and I, my whole body kind of started vibrating. I said, what's going on with you? And she said, I'm a Reiki master. That's how I got a Reiki. I mean, that, that is weird. So that's how the astral works. It just leads you in. And I've never seen that wolf again, exactly that black-faced wolf with green eyes again. I've never seen it. But um, I did I did get into Reiki then, and I found I've never – I just love it because it, it's you're bringing this energy in. It's a way of actually kind of, you know, you're using energy for positive purposes, and um, it's remarkable what happens with people. Like, you know, you, 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 they generally – well, when I give Reiki sessions, generally the, the person becomes unconscious. You can tap into the energy field. You bring through what they need so it doesn't exhaust me at all. I'm just kind of channeling the energy. And then they often have lots of movements or, you know, like their body moves – kind of releasing stuff and they don't remember it and um then they feel better later i I like it because it's beyond the intellectual you know it's kind of what i've learned in the astral is that the default way of being is actually a very good feeling like it's this phenomenal contentment so you're kind of tapping into that it's not an add-on so that's what I like about a lot of this stuff like astral travel and stuff is actually about letting go of all this programming that we have and, and tapping into that state of being that just kind of feels really good. So there's nothing you've got to do with it. Like that's what I love about Reiki. It's just really being, you're holding a space for someone and then phenomenal healings can happen. It's, it's, it's great to witness and, and be part of. And this, but this all kind of ties into some of the words that we've been using throughout the conversation, vibration and um, energy. How does it work and how do you, as somebody who practices Reiki and, and helps people using Reiki, how do you connect with maybe what's ailing, ailing the person that you're working with and uh, how do you fix it? Well, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's kind of tricky. Like in the beginning I would, I would try to fix it. You know, your will gets there because you, you want what is best for that person. Then after a while you kind of remain almost childlike, kind of simple. Like so I'll, I'll cleanse my chakras a little because they are important and that, that's always something I've done for astral trouble anyway. So I'm kind of in a neutral state. Um, when the person comes in, then you kind of you learn how to bring in what they need. So it it is um, it's a given that the person's field knows what you're talking about. Like on an energetic level, they know why you're there. They know why they're there. Um, the higher aspect of that person is healed. That high the higher aspect of that person is in a state that is more singular or more refined state. So. What I've learned is that the the human state is often identifying with like the emotional state. Like that's why the mainstream is is a great teacher because it's 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 programming and triggering the emotional body to react. So generally, a lot of people will say this, and I think it's true. Generally, it's the emotional state feeds into the physical state or, or the states that are pre-physical. So these are the states you're kind of working on. That field field is in the physical. So really. It's a given that a person wishes to be healed. We don't that you know, uh, otherwise it wouldn't come for for Reiki healing. So I kind of get out of the way and hold the space and allow this energy to come through, and it, it goes where it needs to go. It does what it wants. I, I don't really have to steer much. Tell us a little bit about stress. I noted on your website that you talk a lot about stress and how it affects us, um, and it seems to be the case whenever you're talking about any kind of um, answers to, to medical issues. Stress always comes up. How important is it that we work on alleviating stress in our lives? Man, I think it's so important. I think stress leads to all of these underlying issues of, of, of just not feeling comfortable or anxiety. So, like, and if you think of it energetically, okay, purely energetically, um, if something starts to block, things then aren't moving, and you can see that, uh, generally, illness is, is is our energy is not not moving. Not not the whole en- uh, energy system is is to move. That's the whole idea. You think of a river. If a river starts to get it starts to stagnate, it, the water becomes unhealthy, not as vibrant. So that's that is the case with 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 humans. With, with I think that we're in a human body to heal ourselves. When you are healed, you won't be in this state. I, I've met beings in other realms and realities when I've been astral that, that appear to look like us, but they're not. They don't have emotional bodies. They, they tend to be telepathic, and they're kind of beyond that state, and it's, and it's a beautiful state. Um, so more and more, 
I think to be human is to to have a motivation to kind of heal oneself. It might not be this lifetime, but essentially we wish to move out of that kind of emotionally blocked state and into a state of wellness, which is the default. Um, and it really does have everything to do with energy and energy moving, energy moving. Before the break, we were talking about what we might consider to be bad trips when it comes to astral travel. Uh, you started to to hint at that you've had a few of those experiences. Can you share something with us? Yeah, but I have to say, I have to preface, there's no such thing as a bad trip in the end. Look, I would get off in the... A lot of there was a lot of this alien vibe that would come, and uh, like my wife used to know that like there was something in the house, things moving, and I would I would deliberately connect with these energies, and I would feel the vibrations that wake me up. They was, they'd sound like jet engines, you know, it's like a screeching vibration, and I'd go with them, and I'd be going off the planet in my astral body, and you would see thousands of people going off planet, and then we go into these massive ships, these massive ships above the. Um, Above in our atmosphere above the earth, and um, there'd be these tall beings. And I remember that these particular beings were, were, had, were white, white beings, and um, bald, kind of um, they wore these sort of silver body suits, kind of androgynous beings. And I remember everyone was walking around like zombies, and I had to really keep it, I had to really stay above it like treading water to stay conscious. And um, I remember I, I tried to escape this craft just out of interest and, uh, like, I went through this portal kind of thing, this door kind of thing, and there was a bit of grass. I thought, this is not Earth. But, and, this, and this particular ET came out and telepathically said something interesting. He said to me, you can leave whenever you want. You can even take your own life, but we will always have access to your energy. And, and I thought that was interesting. And I, I started to see this, these machinations in the, in the astral that there were these beings actually – recycling this unconscious um, energy that, that, that feeds or that, that comes off the, the human race, this fear kind of feeding into them. It was really interesting. It was like this unconscious waves of energy. Um, and they did feed us food. I remember one. I had one scene where I was in this – everything was kind of plate metal. I remember being in this massive dining room with all these other kind of astral zombies. I tried to wake them up, but they wouldn't wake up. And then I heard a cow screaming, being slaughtered, and we're about to be fed. And they did feed us good food. I remember that. It was quite tasty. And I, I slammed the table, stood up, and said, where next to everyone, you know, the, the slaughtering. And I was never invited back. It was just a, it was almost like moving on from that level. I was shown something. Is it scary? Well, the fact that they communicate with me and I had this, you know, as a reasonably naive person, I was shown that, well, there's certain energies from the human drama that feed these certain species. Uh, is it bad or is it just what it is? And it kind of led to other realizations and other beings I'd meet that were kind of scary, you know, and um, you learn how to deal with it and how to move through that, you know. So really they were good trips in the end. One of the questions is why do it? What, what's the purpose of it? Is it more for um, curiosity purposes or is there a higher spiritual uh, satisfaction that comes from traveling astrally no oh, that's a good question i mean there is a curiosity factor i mean uh, look a lot of people used to come because now i teach it in courses here and people would come and i'd look at them and think in the beginning i used to think why, why would you come to an astral travel course i would never have gone to something like that i never heard of it um and it was kind of funny the way i look at people now i'm kind of used to it and i, and I realize a lot of people are coming because they they kind of sense there's something more they sense um maybe things have happened when they've slept uh like they've had you know, they talk about these shadow beings or they've had paralysis. So they want to explore what exactly is that, and that is related to, to astral travel. And also, you know, perhaps they want to reach or, or um, communicate with, with those who have passed on or they want to manifest certain things in this reality, and this is where astral travel can really help. Um, and that's like with healings or things like this, but even other aspects, if you take intentions into the astral, then they tend to manifest quicker in the physical. So it's like the physical realms are like these muddy kind of realms compared to these high vibratory realms that seem to carry intention with more weight, if you like. So that really is the principal reason. I mean, people come for all sorts of reasons, and I wouldn't have known that. But a lot of come for healing for those purposes, uh, to see beyond – uh, to meet certain um, archetypes because in the astral they're full of archetypes and you kind of work through 
the fears as well, because what I realize is it's a great discussion, but a lot of the kind of monsters and and things you see in the astral are those archetypal monsters and like you, you meet the succubi, you, you actually, and it's, what I found is when in the beginning I would, monsters would pop up at the end of my bed or whatever and, and really scary things and I often swear at them or I'd put my fingers in the shape of a cross. You just do weird things in the astral, you know, whatever happens. And after a while they kind of sense that you can sense them and they leave you alone. Like a lot of it, so a lot of the astral experience is to, to realize that there's a lot of stuff going on that, that isn't really our story and to break free of that. For instance, uh, not long ago, I kind of just uh, eased into the ass, so I didn't realize I thought I was still awake. I see this woman hovering over my wife next to me in bed, and she's kind of doing stuff that, you know, hovering there, but I had the feeling she was up to no good. She sees me see her, and she gets a shock of her life and escapes out the wall. Right out, 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 goes through the bedroom and out, leaves the house. My wife wakes up. I wake up, and I ask my wife, "What happened to you?" And she said, "Well, I was having a nightmare." And, I, and she explained the nightmare, and it was just a kind of a run-of-the-mill nightmare, like it wasn't, um, you know, with with this woman per se in it. But I knew that this being was having some um, manipulating her field to a degree. Now. As I said, when when beings in the astral who are kind of playing around or up to no good, um, if you want to put it that way, black and white, uh, if they notice you, notice them, they disappear. So after a while, when you develop this astral awareness, you have you you, you take through with you uh, more of, as I said, the singular mind into the sleep world and into these other realms, and you kind of rather than falling into stories and characters as you fall asleep, you start to literally wake up. To, to what we are, away from the, the kind of ego-centered who. And that actually alters your definition of yourself and your interaction with the cosmos around you becomes more exciting, you know? So that's a long-winded answer, but there's something in that. <laughs> um, we have about, about another minute here for our next break. I, I want to ask you about a quote, and I think I took this off of your website. You say, when we sleep, we leave our bodies. That's irrespective of whether we are intentionally or consciously uh, astrally traveling. Is that what you're saying? That we just do that on, as, exactly. as a regular course? We do. We tend to go out of phase with our bodies. And what happens, all these energies come into these astral bodies that are rejuvenated energies. Like It's like we're getting our energy back from home. We're touching base with home somehow. So astral travel per se, or what I do is just about training people to actually open your eyes and wake up in that state of being and explore. I believe it's an innate sense that somehow has been put to sleep over the, over the eons. And when we talk about whether it's astral travel or just this phenomena that part of our body leaves our physical body, are we talking about the soul? And maybe we don't have enough time to answer that fully and we'll come back to it. But are we talking about the soul? Yeah, I think it's closer to what the soul is. Yes. Tonight we're talking about astral travel with Greg Doyle. Greg has a book he has written called Awakening the Giant Within. And Greg, um, if someone was to be sitting listening tonight and decides they want to try this, for the first time, never had an experience like this, don't really know anything about it. How would you direct them to begin this process? Look, um, that, is, that is also a good question. I think, I think to entertain the notion that it's possible, and um, the first way, the first, really the, the keystone, I think, to the whole thing is, is a relaxed body and mind. And I, I got kind of obsessed with relaxing my body when I was a musician because I found that I could be tense. Uh, Ten minutes later, I'd play a lot better. Simple as that, if I relax my body. So, and that, that I think is re- really kind of critical to the whole thing, to really relax your body uh, limb by limb, and there are plenty of ways of doing that, um, and then relaxing the mind, you know, looking at what is occupying your mind. And I literally see thoughts as things that are occupying my mind, not, my, not necessarily my thoughts. So, because um, it depends on what collective, where you are, you know, you're at the sea, you have different thoughts than if you're in the middle of the city. So to look at the anxieties that are occupying you and to, to kind of, you know, put them in bubbles and release them. So that kind of classic kind of relaxation of body and mind, and then to entertain the notion that you would like to go out of body and experience something different, uh, to have perhaps something that's heart-based is good because the astral travel experience is generally generated through the heart chakra so the heart it feels like the heart is palpitating 
but it's actually the, the heart chakra that's vibrating very quickly. So that's what takes you into that high frequency. So it's 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 uh, so going to something heart based, like somewhere where you'd love to visit, maybe a place that you really like, like so, or a person you'd like to visit, an experience you'd like to have, something that is very that feels safe to you, um, is a good way to start. And then, and then just kind of entertain that notion that it's possible without a body and experiences. So it's a little bit, you know, talking yourself into it a bit in the beginning. That is, that is, a, that is a kind of a simplified way of starting the whole experience. Do you recommend that when someone starts this that they get some guidance from someone like yourself uh, before they try this on their own? I, I, you know, you, I know you said there's no such thing as a bad trip per se, but is there anything dangerous about it? Nothing dangerous. Um, look, I've had some really full-on battles with certain beings, and and in the end, you know, I thought when it's starting, when it was happening, I thought, am I going mad, or should I see someone, or should I just continue on and see what happens? In the end, I just continued on and see what happened. Um, it it really is all good. It's all going somewhere, and you start to realize that in these other dimensions, your vibration, you're giving off stuff. So what you're going to experience is if you've got embedded fears within you, you're going to experience that. That's why these fears are so triggered by the mainstream, you know, whether it be life insurance ads or, you know, new certain news reports to fire up your emotional body to put you into fear. That is part of a mechanism that is actually controlling the human race on a certain level. So really, Look, I would have liked guidance, I guess. I mean, in the beginning, I was kind of freaked out, not knowing what was going on. I knew it was fantastic, but I wasn't sure what was actually going on. And I probably had an adventurous spirit because I was kind of this naive, this naivety in a certain way. But I think, um, you know, essentially that's what I am. I am a guide. Uh, a lot of people actually tell me, oh, they say, and I haven't even trained them. And they say, Greg, oh, thanks for coming and getting me out of body at night and taking me somewhere. And I don't even remember doing that with them. You know, I'll do it with maybe other people who I've never even met. So there's all this stuff going on. Um, it's good to get some help because if things happen, you kind of feel someone's holding a hand. That, that's where it's nice, you know. Um, so that's why I do my courses and that's why um, that's just eventuated out of me actually having written the book is this, this uh, the teaching of it I didn't think I'd be doing. But um, it's nice to have your hand held for sure. You um, obviously this has affected you considerably. Uh, it's opened up something very significant in your life and the way you perceive the world. And you even go as far as saying that this will change the way you see the world around you. It'll also help you discover yourself and learn more about yourself. How does it change the way you see the world around you? What I realize is, look, I don't see this as real. It's funny. Some guy came and wired me up with all these uh, electrodes to see what kind of wave I was operating at and said, well, your brain's not normal. You're... He can. He figured that because I was having these experiences, because my, my main predominant wave is a gamma wave. So he said, you're, you're kind of in a heightened meditative state. You're not actually here. And funnily enough, I don't really perceive this as real. So I'm less reactive. I see it as a game of energy. Uh, these other realities are more real. Um, I see these realms as kind of insane, uh, what's going on, and I'm not belittling them. It is a game of energy, and I, I feel it's actually we're here to kind of overcome this this karmic entanglement that we find ourselves in. There is something to do with that. But by the same token, it's a very beautiful reality. I find that I'm more connected to the beauty of it, particularly nature and people and, you know, it's fantastic. I, things just don't trigger me as they once did, so I'm not – energetically i'm kind of invisible so the whole thing is to to kind of you know people talk about a lot it sounds a bit cliche but you're kind of burning off ego through this process so that your field is kind of invisible for those lesser energies that are looking for something to claw into so you kind of develop this sense of almost invisibility it's like you're not really here in the best sense and you're kind of perceiving what's going on still you're taking action but it's not it's not um, taking charge of you and it's literally not getting charge from you and building that charge. So that's how it's changed me. There are a lot of reasons to be curious about this. Um, and I'm particularly curious about the experience you were discussing earlier when you said that your leg was injured and you actually had this experience while you were, you were awake. Um, is the ultimate goal here to be able to do this on command, sleeping or awake day, night, doesn't matter. Yep, 
in a nutshell, yep. And these are the things that excite me. Also, the notion of biolocation, like can you bring enough energy that you can exist somewhere else, or at least can I appear in a room or even a darkened room, you know, where I appear as a some kind of entity and talk to these people. I mean, so these are the things that excite me. Even often in the astral, I find myself, you know, moving things around with my mind. And I think, why, why am I doing that in the astral? And you can sense the parts of your brain activating when you move things around. And I think, why can't I do that in the physical? So when I had that experience, you know, of levitation, that the whole notions of gravity and what we've been taught kind of cracked somewhere and fell kind of to the side, you know, when I realized... This is a, a more playful reality than we think. And, and these truly are, the, 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 I think, the goals of astral travel is to be able to, to have that more conscious dreaming or waking, awakening, awakening through the dimensions. Really, that's what it's about. Have you been able to, or do you know of others that have been able to uh, contact maybe deceased or departed loved ones by doing this? Oh, yeah, for sure. In fact, I remember getting out once and um, I had this uh, woman con- uh, come toward me and then she said she, she wanted me to bring her, her husband who had killed her to justice and she was telling me all these details and then I noticed a line of people and I happened to have one of my guides next to me and I was looking to them for reassurance. What should I do? I didn't know what to do. And I thought she was sort of kind of looking stony-faced. I remember thinking I don't want to get into this and that was just my path. I didn't want them knocking at the door so you in the best sense i mean funnily enough i i, I kind of welcome ets in and weird looking aliens but i was kind of thinking ghosts i don't know really into that probably because of programming but you really can reach those realms and and uh, talk to them absolutely and they're not so far away that's what you call the the kind of the fourth dimension where they often hang around and like just the other day i was in a concert in this old building and i was connecting really it was a beautiful connection with this this um, female ghost who was who was hanging around and she was popping up around the musicians and it was amazing. It was very playful, as I said, and it was just nice, you know. Yeah, with, 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 I, I had asked earlier if um, this astral body that leaves the physical body could be considered the soul, and if in fact you can astral travel and meet people that have passed. Would that indicate that their "quote unquote" astral body or their soul left them upon death and is now um, residing in this astral realm, and that's why you can interact with them in an astral travel situation? That's exactly the feeling I have. I feel like they leave an imprint. You know, it's like a splash in the water and these ripples. So I don't think they're there per se, but I think an aspect of them is. And and the astral, it actually the derivation of the word astral it comes from astrum, which is the Latin word for star. The notion that's our star body, so mm-hmm. it's a body that try, kind of travels the cosmos, and I think that this is part of it. I think that's why it's kind of closer to the soul. It's like a bridge body that can take mortal consciousness and connect it with you know your, your higher aspects of yourself. And um, yeah, I totally agree to what you're saying there. Yeah, I don't want to get into the semantics of the word itself when we start talking about mm-hmm. soul because there are religious connotations there too. But if in fact we just use that word so we know what we're talking about. Um, if, in fact, it is your soul leaving your body at night to astral travel, and if, in fact, it is your soul leaving your body for good when you die, uh, it seems pretty natural that those two could meet somewhere. Absolutely. I think. Look, I think that's the ultimate astral travel is when you die. Um, obviously, you know, that, that that's what, what happens. And, and I've, funnily enough, I've actually been in situations around people who are dying, like in hospitals the last few days, and right. you actually sense their astral, their astral body tends to start to leave a few days before or this the essence of them leaves and uh, i've often connect with people just before they're dying the astral body connects with mine it's really interesting is there a way to observe um, it if, if someone was to set up the right equipment or be sitting next to your bed say when this was happening to you can they actually see something happening i think it could i think infrared is good i know mm-hmm. my cat would see stuff um you know like you try the tv controller um, in front of the cat, I used to play around with that, and the cat was kind of watching it, and I'd be throwing Reiki symbols on the cat. And in fact, meeting cats in the astral is, is, is kind of easy um, because they tend to sleep all day. I think that's what they're doing. So, um, what was your question again? <laughs> uh, I, I was wondering if you can actually observe this when somebody's doing oh, yeah. it, and it, particularly if you're sitting, you know, in, in a hospital room, and someone mm. is crossing that threshold, and their astral body or their soul, if we want to use that word, is leaving their physical body. Can you see it, sense it in any way? 
And I, and I asked yeah, this for get, a very personal yeah. reason. Yeah, if you go into that meditative state, for, for me generally when I'm in the physical sense and I'm going to a very meditative state, I sense it, I feel it, and I can kind of see it a little bit. But some people have a real visual thing. For me it's more visual and real when, I'm, when my body's asleep and I'm astral. But in, when I'm physically awake, generally, yeah, you can sense that. You can really sense that energy. It's, it's, it's not so difficult. Well, I had an experience, and, and uh, folks that listen to this program have heard me talk about it several times. My mother passed away a couple of years ago, and I was in the hospital next to her bed when it, when she passed. She'd been in ICU for four days before she passed, and uh, I'd been in that room for four days, and I never experienced anything like I experienced the moment she passed. I was watching the you know the monitor showing heart rate and all those things, and you see it coming, and you know it's coming, and you're saying your goodbyes. And then when everything just stopped, a few seconds after that, I had a, a, a very obvious, strong, and comforting breeze cross my face. And again, I had been in that room for four days and not felt any breeze, any air movement like that whatsoever the whole time. And at that moment, yeah. I did feel that. And I'm very, very curious about what we're talking about. And if you can sense that physically, because I'm convinced that was my mother. Oh, absolutely. I, I've, I've felt it a few times, and, and, and it's, it's a really comforting feeling. It's a feeling that you kind of feel elated. You know that, and the grief comes later, but you know that that they remain, that they're somehow still alive. You yeah. know, they're, they're just passing. You know it. You know it. At that time, you know it, you know, and it's very positive. Pure yeah. love. Um, okay, so we're we're basically out of time here. I, I know that you have very, very generously offered a discount to folks. Tell us what... Uh, you're offering a discount on and how people can uh, take advantage of that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's called Astral Travel, a breakthrough course. So I've got this online course, series of videos, uh, MP3s I can download and, and, and you know, point-by-point point meditation. So it's taking you through step-by-step. Step. Um, you can do it on any platform, this whole astral experience and how to get into that. And, and, if, and it's also you know, helping people along uh, if they're unsure how to go about it and certain mindsets and things like this. Um, and, you know, uh, what people can do, they can go to my website, gregdoyleastral.com forward slash beyond reality, one word. And um, there they can see a direct link to it. And I found it's helped people. A lot of people, it's just gotten them over that stage like they've often been close or even those who, have not had any interest. It takes them into interesting meditation exercises, and um, it's just helping people. You know, all the techniques I found that 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 help you access these realms in this state. So, um, yeah, to those who want to, that that'd be wonderful. I think they'd like it. Okay, again, it's gregdoyleastral.com forward slash beyond reality. Beyond reality being one word, and that's where they can find this. Yes. Okay, great. Um, And once again, the book is available, as you said, here in in the United States. Uh, Amazon's probably one of the easiest places to find it, but it's available elsewhere and on your website. Right, Greg? Absolutely. And you can even, if you want it physically, you can ask a bookshop to get it in, too. Terrific. Thanks so much for being here tonight. It was a very, very fascinating conversation. Loved it. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, That uh, discount, if you're interested in exploring that, is his website, which is gregdoyleastral.com forward slash beyond reality, beyond reality being one word. Check it out. See what he's got there. He's got a lot of other stuff on his website as well, including, uh, and I didn't get a chance to ask him this, but he has light sessions. But I think you have to be where he is to be able to do that because it's a physical thing. Okay. I mean, I know Reiki can be done long distance. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I know he does some of his other stuff long distance. He has courses on astral travel and courses on Reiki, too, if you're interested in learning how to be a Reiki uh, master or, mm-hmm. or proprietor or whatever. Um, I still don't understand how that works. I've seen people like holding the hand, you know, their hands over somebody. And yeah, but it there's this energy to, thing going seems on. seems to really work. Yeah, have you ever had Reiki uh, done to you? I haven't, but yeah. I've, I've heard I've heard some pretty remarkable stories. Um, I, yeah, I've seen a lot of. I mean, I, I go to uh, events and the lines at the Reiki tables are pretty long, so somebody's getting some kind of benefit out of it. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, tomorrow night, a best of program here on Beyond Reality Radio. Monday night, actress Dee Wallace will be here to talk about uh, conscious creation and how to live a better life. I'm really looking forward to that conversation. Tuesday night, it's uh, Mike Apicella in the first part of the program. He's a musician and founding member of the band Human Host. 
He'll explore the connection between the material world and the metaphysical. And in the second part of the program, it'll actually be more like the uh, uh, three quarters of the program, I think. Uh, Susan Plunkett will be here. Susan is a writer and a psychologist, author of a new book called Mission from Venus. She'll be talking about ETs, wanderers, twin flames, and the fifth dimension. That's going to do it for tonight. Hope everybody has a great weekend. It's Beyond Reality Radio. We'll see you next time. Beyond Reality Radio is hosted by Jason Hawes and J.V. Johnson and produced by Alexandria Johnson and Slick Eddie Edwards for Intercom Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is distributed by Westwood One Radio Networks. Stop by our Facebook page and say hello. Follow the hosts on Facebook as well. For Jason Hawes, follow at JasonHawes.taps. For J.V. Johnson, follow at JVJParanormal. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Radio or you have a suggestion for a guest, contact Slick Eddie Edwards at SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our chat room as well at beyondrealityradio.com. Thanks for listening.